it's Louise here with episode 18 of the Knit British podcast, a very special episode. Just before Christmas, I got together with designer and lovely friend Carrie Westerman to look back at 2014 and discuss her plans for the new year and hear news about imminent designs and collaborations. But quickly we slipped into a mutual retrospective of the past year and Carrie even interviewed me a few times about Knit British in the last year and what's coming up and I had intended to include this interview as part of the next podcast but we had such a great chat and we covered such a lot of topics and I didn't realise that we'd spoken for over um, an hour. I thought, you know, this really deserves a special episode all of its own and I can't think of a nicer way to kick off the new Knit British podcast year. You will hear an exclusive about Carrie's next design project of her own and you will hear about collaborations uh, with Susan Crawford and in the Old Maiden Aunt Dye Club for 2015 and sit back and enjoy it. We were both dosed with the cold so please forgive our odd coughs and wheezes. <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to Carrie. I wanted to have her on the podcast for quite some time and this was a really lovely opportunity to look back over what was really a a year of two halves for Carrie and really look forward to what's coming up. So without further ado, I will leave you with Carrie and I just before Christmas. For more information, you can find Carrie's website at www.fourth-edition.co.uk. She's on Ravelry. She's got a great group in there called Carrie Bookish Knits if you are looking to join our group. And that's where you will hear lots of news and about upcoming projects and collaborations. So we get going uh, talking about nutshell proportions of 2014 and hit on a lot of topics, including our favourite knits of the last year, what we've learned, our resolutions of sorts. Um, So I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you very much to Carrie for sitting down and chatting with me and I'd also like to say a huge happy new year to all Knit British listeners. I will be back in two days time with episode 19 of the podcast and if you're going to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival or you want more information about the Edinburgh Yarn Festival you're really going to want to listen in because I'm, um, I'm exclusively going to reveal to you the vendor list as it stands at the moment so you don't want to miss that so come back on Saturday the 3rd for episode 19 but right now as per usual grab your whip grab a beverage dust off the last of those mince pies and Christmas cookies and sit back and listen to Carrie and I talking all things 2014 and all the exciting things to come in the new year Carrie Bookish has made it to Knit British. Welcome. Thank you very much. Although we're both feeling a bit poorly, so hopefully we'll not be coughing and spluttering throughout too much. I've already said to Louise that I hope she's got really good editing programs so can actually remove <laughs> all the, you know, head cold from my voice and all the coughing and she's sneezing and so forth. But let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. If I can cope with editing out all my erms every single episode, then I'm sure I can cope with... Uh, uh, the odd cough and sneeze so we'll find so how are you apart from coughs and colds and things how are things with Carrie Westerman um I'm pretty good actually it's it's been 
a bit of a year, so I'm very glad that we're seeing the end of it. I'm going to have some days off soon, so yay. It, it has been a bit of a year because I, I would I would ask you to explain it in nutshell proportions, mm-hmm. but there's absolutely no way that you can do that because you've gone from the continuation to the culmination of Doggerland. Mm-hmm. And there's been lots of magazine work and lots of collaborations and your first garment quickly yeah. followed by your your second garment. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of a, um, a t- your take on 2014? Um, for me, it was really a year of two halves. 2014 started, I thought it was going to be just like 2013 with me juggling a lot of balls. But what happened was in January 2014, I had a bit of a work accident, unfortunately. So I was cooped up with an injured knee for a couple of months, which meant I couldn't do as many things as I usually did, and I couldn't work. And then when I got back to work, a couple of months on from that, I was offered to step into a new role for a yarn company I I worked for, and I decided to turn down that and go fully (laughs) self-employed. It's been sort of a, a year of... first half was really slow and I couldn't do as many things as I usually would do and then the second half has been non-stop and it's it's been a really weird year yeah from gainful employment to (laughs) self-employment and we're out for a while with that injury and that must have been really you sort of soul destroying as well because as much as you couldn't get out, to, mm-hmm. you know, to work, it's it's difficult to concentrate on other things yes. when you. I was are I was pretty much high in painkillers for two months, <laughs> so I couldn't do been much. Some, been some interest in pattern inspirations coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, what it did give me was time to reflect because I've I've, I've worked in the knitting industry since two thousand, well, end of two thousand and nine. And it's been pretty much non-stop for the past, I would say, about three years with me get, getting more and more work to do on sort of on my own terms. And I should sort of probably point out that I used to work part-time for a yarn company and then part-time do designing and tech editing and teaching and all the other things. So me suddenly being given a couple of months to take stock of all the work I was doing that's probably not the worst thing that has happened to me, but it, it's been a weird year. What about you? Oh, gosh, this year has been really good, really fantastic, because uh-huh. I realised that next month is going to be the first birthday of the podcast. I know. Congratulations. So that's, yeah, and I'm really excited about that. And I don't know, the I've gone through the year, mm-hmm. like personally ha- had, you know, anxiety and a few problems with my day job and have again it's sort of been a bit of two halves because I managed to to start a lovely new job and I have more time I did because I did November Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have been able to concentrate on that had I not had some lovely time so it's really nice I'm really loving the balance of day job versus well I call it my non-job knit British but it's my non-job job job. what's fascinating (laughs) for me is I remember you putting out that first first podcast and you were sort of at that stage you were just trying because you've been writing your blog for a long well not a long time but for some time and I really loved the blog and then suddenly whoa there's a blog podcast and let's see where she's taking this and it's just taking off hasn't it it's really it's really been good to see 
It really has, and I feel really lucky. Things took off really quickly with the podcast. I was only doing it every month to begin mm-hmm. with, and now I'm, I'm, I've sort of changed the format to go fortnightly. I'm really loving the balance. So looking back, keeping on the idea of 2014, mm-hmm. you're still teaching. You're still. Yeah. Are you doing as much? Are you doing more? Do you think? I'm doing um, more because I've got more time to do it, mm-hmm. but I'm also. As, as I'm so famous for doing, I take on way too many things because everything sounds amazing. Um, so I'm teaching and I'm, I'm doing more magazine work than ever and I've been designing more than ever and I've had some amazing collaborations. I was looking at your year-end blog from last year and that you were challenged to design a garment and socks. Mm-hmm. Well, one is the fantastic Scully cardigan. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> And then, and now you're doing the sock club with Lilith yes, this year as well. Yes, yeah. I was meeting up with a friend of mine who's a designer, and she was sort of saying to me, "Carrie, you're doing wonderful work. I'm really, really impressed by what you do. But I really think you should you should try and design a garment, and I think you'd be amazing at socks." And I so that was in 2013, and I went, mm, "Maybe that's something for 2014." And yes, I did design my first couple of garments. And and when Lilith and I started talking about doing a club, I suggested doing a sock. Exciting. Yeah. And it's Very it's exciting. been it's been great to actually challenge myself because I've I've been doing sort of accessories, hats, gloves and, and shawls for quite some time and I've sort of tried to push the boundaries of how I construct shawls. But it's also nice to, to be faced with different construction and different techniques that I have to consider. So yeah, it's yeah. it's all good stuff. And I feel like in 2014, I've also done a lot of colour work, mm-hmm. which has been fantastic and I've absolutely That's loved it. Cool. I think because I I paint as well as I did, I'm a designer or whatever, um, I, I have a background in painting and for me it's all about the colour and being able to, sort of, to play with colours in stitches. Um, so, so for me, color work is just fantastic because I, I, I can incorporate things and I can sort of play around in a way that, that you can't really do with, with stitch patterns or lace. It's, it's a different uh-huh. discipline and it's really exciting. Um, and it's again, because I love color. I love, I love teaching color theory as well. Actually, it's one of my favorite classes to teach and, and to talk about color. It's, it's fantastic. And it's just a, another aspect to knitting, I feel. And, I sort of feel I have a lot of things going on in 2015. And yes, that is one of the things you'll see more of as well. Good. That yes. is good. Uh, and then that might spur me on a little more because I'm just yeah, you should. ridiculous. My my resolutions are always socks and fair isle. And one day I'll get rid of one year. I'll Louise, you live, in, <laughs> you live in Shetland. Don't. Come on. Don't rub, don't rub it in. I already feel I'm failing as a your, Shetlander. Mate, like, <laughs> your local yarn shop is Jameson's. I know. And you're not doing colour work. I know. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but let's say a little bit about Doggerland mm-hmm. as well. Now that, this year, saw the end of that collection. Yeah. T- talk a little bit about that project and how that has sort of evolved over the over, over a year and a half. No, it- I first got the idea, I think, around summer 2011. Mm. And then I started working on it probably a year later. So it's been in the works since 2012. Wow. I've lived with it for a very long time. And 
particularly because I've been working part time and I was also doing commissions at the same time as I was working on Doggerland. So it kind of got stretched out when I finally released the last pattern in October 2014. That was a long time. Yeah. Um, I've been living with that project. But yeah, it was part of me for so long. It's still part of me now. And it's really been difficult to say no. I'm not without <laughs> another design. I've got so many stories left to tell, really. But I've, it's it sort of seems like it's a, it's a natural place to stop. But it must have been difficult, as you say, because it's been such a journey for you. And on that journey, it's not just about, you know, the knitting and the designing. And it's there's that fact that you've put your real interest into personal landscapes and geographical landscapes. And that stays with you, I think, that, you know. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's I mean, I, I do a lot of designing and I do a lot of commissions and I work together with people. But, I mean, Doggerland is really just a peep into how my head works. It's 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 all me. My partner did help with, with sort of drawing the schematics and he helped with doing the photography, but it is all me, every single aspect of it. Um, yeah. So that was... I mean, it, it is really, you know, laying myself out there and going, this is this is who I am. This is what I do. And I've had such interesting feedback, actually, from people um, with people feeling very personally affected by some of the stories I was telling. And I, I sort of got really emotionally heartfelt things in return, messages, emails. It's been absolutely mind blowing, really. It- as I've said to you before in the past, mm. the Doggerland collection and how it was presented and those essays, that is something that, as a, I mean, as a knitter, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in where the design inspiration mm-hmm. comes from. That is going one step better and one step further. And it does, lay, you, you are sort of laying yourself open. Yeah. It is a very per- personal thing. So I imagine that it, to, to lay it down at the end of the day, at the end of the collection must be quite difficult it was really hard it got really hard towards the end um as well because you kept asking me when's the last pattern coming when's the last pattern coming and i was sort of sitting there um i should say that the collection consists of eight pieces i have probably designed and knitted about 25 pieces wow yeah (laughs) um before i could sort of decide what was going into it and the last one took me seven attempts to get right seven attempts I, Is that because you knew it was the last one? Partly because I knew it was the last one. Partly because I got a really bad bout of perfectionism, where I was I was really being hard on myself, and I was second guessing myself. It was an absolutely horrible situation to be in, where everything I did, I just looked in and went no. Um, the thing with Doggerland as well was that I I sort of um, from the very start why it took so long to develop was because before I even got started on designing, I put down. A very restricted color palette it's got it's got like three or four colors and that's it mostly undyed and then it had a really restricted design vocabulary um, so I couldn't really move too far I had, I had a very restricted framework which was fantastic actually because it meant that the collection worked together as a whole and every design would call back to other designs in the collection but it also mean I, I couldn't just jump out and do just about whatever popped into my head I had something very rigid to work with and that's why also it took me seven attempts I did have a really good sixth attempt but then just before I was about to release it somebody else released a pattern quite similar (laughs) um a freebie as well 
So yeah. Oh no. <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, but I and and it was knit in a different weight and looked completely different. But I looked at it and thought, that's the same construction and the same stitch and the same basic notion. Well, we'll just start again on number seven. Back to the drawing board. Yes, but it does mean I have a lot of sort of fragments of designs that I can sort of pick and choose and take. It's not all lost work. No. Um, but yeah. It was a lot of work to get to that stage. And, and uh, if you'd told me before I got started just how much work it would be, I don't think I would have done it. Because <laughs> um, it, it just, I mean, research, yes, I love researching. I'm an ex-academic. Research is sort of what, what I do. Um, but the whole defining and refining and finding the right way of doing it, it was really, really a lot of work. I, that's really, you can see how much love and probably blood, mm. sweat, tears that's, that's gone into it. It's a fantastic oh, thank you. piece of work. And you know that I've been a big fan since the very beginning. So one thing that, one book that I've probably knitted most of the items from, wow. <laughs> it's a really a fantastic mm. collection. And I do think that immediately you're drawn to the beautiful patterns, mm. the beautiful designs, and then you get this fantastic essay yeah um, what I really job. actually also like is that I've had a lot of other designers contact me and said that I've inspired them to actually push the boat out so it's not just you know yes. here's here's a design collection of three hats and you know but they actually have a story around what they're doing and um, are pushing the boat out and trying something different. And that's really, really nice to hear. That we need is more, wonderful. Yeah, we need more sort of courageous pushing the boat out, challenging Definitely. our idea of what we can do with knitting. And that's just, that's just wonderful, isn't it? That really is lovely to hear that more people want to do that because I do think that it is also a challenge to yourself, as you say, to the sort of lay yourself out there. Yes. You know, and you, you really are you really are laying it on the line that this is where what's inspired you, or you know, this is the concept and why why that interests mm -hmm. you, and, and that that's a big thing. That's you know public personas and it's you know also, it's also hope because I've, I've sort of been to places and people said oh what's this and I've sort of said oh it's a collection inspired by Mesolithic uh, archaeology and land art and some people will just look at me like I'm absolutely crazy um so it is it is niche but I do think you know you can just look at the at, at one of the shawls and go oh that's pretty you don't need yeah. to get involved in in, in sort of the whole no concept of it but I am very guilty of having big concepts. What happens when you are doing magazine work? Are you, do you still feel that you're able to put yourself out there as much or do you feel that it's a different format, it's a different way of designing if you're doing... It's a different way of designing um, because I don't include a lot of context. They have to, I mean I do still think that all the Doggerland designs can and will stand on their own but they also have to work together as a collection. Um, and obviously I have that whole sort of conceptual thing going. With commissioned designs, you don't have a story. You may have a theme board, a mood board or a theme that you work to, but it is different. It's, it's somewhere you can use your one-off ideas, which is really fantastic. It, it sharpens you as a, as a designer, I think. It, it gives you a different skill set as well. And I, I, I'm internally grateful for every single magazine I've worked with because I've learned so much from them. 
does it work the same when you because you've had uh, patterns in the knit generation book mm-hmm. this year and the bespoke book as well mm-hmm. the the book for the the Tour de France that's a slightly similar uh, way of process of working well all those sort of things because I've done work with Let's Knit I've done work with yeah. Susan Crawford I've done work for Knit Now I've done work for, this is going to sound awful but I've done work for <laughs> Hatton and I've done work with Barham Muses yeah it, it all sort of starts with somebody coming to you and going I have this idea and in case of the Knit Generation Sarah Sarah Hatton came to me um, and said, I have this idea, and I wanted to be slightly woodsy, and I've got this this mood board, and she gave me this amazing mood board, and I want you to come up with something that's a one or two skein project, and don't be afraid to push out the boat, really, because I want this to be a bit of more sort of a, a up-to-date 21st century thing. Um, and then with uh, Kate Hebble, who's the editor of Knit Now, contact me is that we're planning on doing a Nordic knit issue and you being Nordic <laughs> I I thought I'd ask you a couple of questions first and then a couple of days later I got the whole so you know package with the theme um, the mood board all of that and right. very short turnaround period and, and just sort of me going okay so something Nordic what does Nordic mean to me and just worked that um, so, so it's it's somebody else having done all the preparation for me, sort of t- telling me already. Okay, here's a mood board. Here's the sort of colours we're thinking of. Here's the sort of inspiration we're thinking of. Now work within that context. Whereas oh, when I do my own work, like with Doggerland, or say I've done some some clubs with with All Midnight Yarns, I'm the one who has to do all that preliminary work. I mean, I've had designs in in magazines where. I've worked to one mood board, but the editors looked at that and thought, oh, this would actually work better in that context. And me going, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Um, so it's always good. It's always good. It's, 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 sometimes you get mood boards where you just think, wow, I would never have thought of that. What a fantastic idea. I always relish getting a mood board from somewhere because it does challenge me to think outside the box. The other thing as well, the fact that magazine work has turned you from a, an accessory designer to a garment yes, designer. It's, yes, it's jolly <laughs> cardigan. Was that a mood board that you got from Knit Now? Or was actually, that something? Um, because I worked for them for quite some time, I was cheeky enough to send off an email to the editor saying, I have a garment idea. I've never done a garment. Would you be willing to actually, you know, hold my hand? And she said, bring it on. Fantastic. Yes. So I did send it out through the normal submission process. But, yeah, it was fantastic for them to take me on and just sort of say. And actually what they did was pretty much just say, we believe in you. And oh. and send us a pattern when you're ready. And if you have any problems, let us know. And I had one single problem and I got back to them. And the one of the tech editors, Ruth, uh, Rock and Pearl. Oh, Rock and Pearl. Yeah, she's fantastic. She she replied to me saying, I think you already know the answer. So it was sort of <laughs> hand-holding in a sort of more ego-boosting way than anything else. And then when it, I mean, and they were on board with the whole, I wanted to be needed in British wool obviously inspired by you and it's British um, so I wanted it to be knitted in local wool um, and I wanted it to be quite a, a rich colour and they were completely on board and they were fantastic and then I did the quarterly vest the sort of Nordic inspired vest beautiful yeah yeah and that that 
was just a joy to work with as well because I was so lucky to get yarn support from Blacker Yarns and it's it's gorgeous yarn so it was beautiful and it's it's something that I always thought right now I'm not a grown-up designer because I'm not doing garments and now I have done <laughs> garments and I can no longer sort of say I'm not I'm not a proper designer. Yes because I mean the vest garment came mm hot on the heels of the cardigan so was it just as soon as you got that first garment out we're like right i'm on a roll now <laughs> yes i can do this yes i've been working a lot with um, susan crawford mm-hmm. and uh on her knits for a cold climate yes. collection and there's more coming in the in in the new year that you mm-hmm. probably can't talk not about at all. possibly not at all <laughs> But how has that been? And and because you you know you're, you're good friends with Susan yes. as well, so it yes. must be quite nice collaborating. Um, well, it came about a long time ago when I was asked to review her coronation knits, and we discovered that we share an interest in what some people would call vintage, and I just call everyday culture, um, <laughs> sort of 1940s and 50s music and and, and design and art, and we just started chatting on Twitter. And we've become very good friends. And then she reached out and said, I'm doing this whole thing based upon uh, the British novelist Nancy Mitford. And I'd love to get you involved. And I went, OK, I could possibly do that. And it was really good working with her because she gives you such a strong brief mm-hmm. um, with what she wants and what sort of... Uh, direction she wants you to go and then you work within that brief and you send off stuff to her and then what you get back is a photo and you go I designed that she's (laughs) such a master of just making everything look amazing um I went down to see her and her husband Gavin on her farm she's moved to a farm where she's got sheep (laughs) it's very very lovely actually and I and, it sounds and, lovely. I get jealous reading her blog. Yes, um, and and she was sort of telling me about what she'd planned and the sort of style she wanted to give the collection. And then just seeing it in a photo, it was really amazing. And then just you know, she's one of those people where um, I do go on about how how I sometimes think I speak a different language to other people when I sort of talk about Neolithic archaeology and land art. But sometimes, um, you know, I can say one or two words and Susan will go, yes, and throw a couple of words back to me. And it's just such an intuitive click kind of way of, 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 you know, we, we just get it. We get the references. We, we can sort of talk very succinctly without having to explain a lot of things. Um, I've been working quite a bit in knitting archives recently. Um, both in preparation for, for the thing with Susan and preparation for other stuff and just sort of saying oh I looked in this, this and this and this and she just knows it she just understands it um, she is just amazing in that way and she knows so much about knitting history it's amazing yeah. and and so are you, will you have any more patterns coming out in the Knits for a Cold Climate collection oh I couldn't tell you okay <laughs> 
So let's just talk about you for 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 a short minute of moment. Who's interviewing who here? Well, we do this as a sort of a retrospect. Yes, I love it. Yes, love it. Um, so what if you look back on 2014 upon all the things you've knitted? What would you say have been sort of your favorite things to knit? Well, I knit two lushes. Mm, I was about to say. So I really think that I have to say the lush cardigan, which if I don't have my one that was made in Brigantia on, I have my one that was made in Wensleydale on. And they're fantastic. And they're both knit in British wool. It hardly pills. It both fantastic hardware and mm-hmm. yarns very soft and lovely Um, so those definitely yeah I I do love them I think they were I think that's the thing about tin can knits is that they just not only do they know what knitters want to knit and wear Uh but they have a really great concept of of sizing and ease and um and really that cardigan looks good on you if you are skinny as Keira Knightley or if you are totally boobalicious it's (laughs) It's fantastic. That's I'm stealing Emily Vessel's word, boobalicious. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, they, they just, you can't really go wrong with a bit of tin can. It's, I can't <laughs> think of anything else that I've knit apart from, oh, and the, and the Antarctic shawl, which I have now given away um, as, to give as a gift. But Janina Callio, uh-huh. a lot of people got in touch with me after I talked about the Antarctic shawl. So they'd never heard of Janina Callio. She's a Finnish designer. Mm-hmm. And um, she does the most beautiful, yes. really simple but really fresh and, and contemporary. Modern. I would call her definitely. So, so those have been some of my top knits. Mm-hmm. And of course, knitting a yellow cardigan <laughs> this year. We should so, probably explain this to the listeners. Yes, we probably should. That the fact that probably for most of the time that we've known each other on Twitter, we've both been harboring the need for the perfect yellow cardigan. <sighs> Um, now, and I thought I'd find mine with the Ramona cardigan mm-hmm. by Elizabeth Smith, but actually I have seen another one. Um, really? I, I yes, and I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to go into my queue. Um, but and yes, I knit mine in a really fabulous, sunshiny Rennie's. Lovely. And it's, it's still one of my most favourite. favorite. favorite uh, and dear listeners, I've not knitted a yellow cardigan yet. <laughs> But you have had so many good suggestions, though. Yes, and one day I will. <laughs> you, you sort of wavered and thought you might actually, what you might need first was the perfect navy cardigan. I, I, yes, I should say that in 2013, I needed the Stevie cardigan by Sarah, Sarah Hatton. And it's my most worn item ever. And I really, really began appreciating the value of a good navy cardigan. So, and now I wear it, I've actually worn it to death pretty much. So I need to knit myself another uh, navy cardigan. But I've reached the point where I sort of, I probably need to design myself a a navy cardigan. (laughs) And then I can think about designing myself a yellow cardigan. I've got the yarn. (laughs) Of course I've got the yarn. It's just the pattern. It's always one or the other. You either have the yarn or you have the pattern. And knitting time. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Some extra knitting time. But I do think cardigans are the best garments mm-hmm. that you can knit. I run hot and cold the whole time. So a cardigan is a fantastic thing because you can take it off, you can, what? you know, button it up, leave it buttons, open. Buttons. What about you? So what's your favourite knit item this year? Um, I've got a couple um, because I was still working for the yarn company at the beginning of the year. I was knitting myself a cardigan. Um, Orkney, which is a Fair Isle cardigan in Rowan Felter Tweed. 
and it was absolutely a labor of love. I love it. I changed the construction. I worked it in the round and steeped it. And then I also changed all the colors. And I added a button band. But apart from that, it's still the same garment. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's absolutely It's lovely. Beautiful. That's the garment that got you in a bit of trouble, didn't it? Oh, gosh, that yes. That yeah, the, I that... was got into trouble with a lady who said, what are you knitting? And I'm going, I'm doing a fair old cardigan. Oh, no, you're not. You're not from Shetland. And that was me told. Yes. Oh, dear. But yeah. I loved knitting that and I loved wearing it. It's warm, it's soft, and it just fits perfectly. I'm so happy it's with really it. It's really beautiful. Set. Also, I would say the Vetbeck shawl for me was was one of the two designs this year. For me. Oh, one of the three designs for me this year, really. That just it just made complete sense for me. Uh, it was such a comfort knit. It was such a lovely thing. Off as well. Um, and it's beautiful I was, to watch it for a man when you're knitting it. Yeah. It's really sort of comfort knitting because you don't have to do much. You just sort of knit away and occasionally slip a couple of stitches. Um, Then I would also say, obviously, the Scully cardigan. My first garment. Oh, my God. And I can't wait to get the sample back to me because it's knitted in my size. (laughs) It's fantastic. Normally, when you do commissions for, for yarn companies, you have to knit garments in sample size, which means skinny model size and I'm not a skinny model size at all but the people at Knit Now were so kind to suggest that I could knit my own size and get a boobalicious girl to wear it in the magazine. <laughs> she was lovely. She was lovely um, and then I'll get it back at some point and I will wear it to death. Finally and I think this is this is something that may have gone under the radar for a lot of people but I did a hat and glove set for Again, it now called Melia, yes. which is sort of brown, reds and greens, and it's just, it's just what I'm all about. It's sort of got a slight vintagey look to it, Scandinavian feel. It's just, it's just beautiful. Even if I say so yeah. myself. That was knit in Jameson's, wasn't it? It was. It was. And I just, I just love the entire concept. It's quite Christmassy, actually looking it i didn't occur to me until afterwards so i'll probably have to wait until next year next sort of christmas season to wear it but i absolutely love it to death and it's named after a person i know in copenhagen so that's extra special yeah those are probably sort of my favorite projects this year in 2014 what about the most challenging knit of 2014 challenging that was probably probably orkney because i changed everything about it um so yeah that's probably been the most challenging as well but um, design-wise, which is, uh, I don't know, possibly the Kozilek vest for me because I had to combine colour work with shaping and all sorts of fun things. Yeah. Mm. But it was good stuff, good fun. What about your resolutions? Do you have resolutions for 2015? I don't what? really believe in resolutions because they always tend to die out around mid-February of thereabouts. And, and for so many years I've said, oh, I'm not going to buy any yarn. Oh, I'm going to knit everything in my queue. Oh, I'm going to finish everything that I've got in the needles. And it never works out like that. So oh. I've, I've, I've sort of made the decision to just be kind to me. And um, I was talking to Joanne of Not So Granny the other day, who's a wonderful just crochet designer. And yeah. she was sort of saying that she didn't believe in resolutions, but she believed in making... Uh, or, or sort of think about words for herself. So she took this word in September and she said, that's going to be my word for 2015. And her word was strengthen. Oh, 
Yeah, and I was sort of thinking that's a really nice way of thinking about resolutions. That, yeah. that is a brilliant way to look at resolutions, mm. actually. And she said, so what would your... And she said, don't do it in January. Do it at another <laughs> point during the year. And for me, I think it's going to be... It's probably going to be own. Sort of own who I am as a designer. Not try to be something I'm not. Um, listen to my own voice, my own ideas, and continue down my weird path. And and just um, also own up to the fact that I can't do everything. For me, my word is going to be own. That's a wonderful way of looking at resolutions. What about you? Notice, well, Fair Isle and socks are definitely the two. Because I always think about knitting as something that you should challenge yourself. Yes. And it's all, always learn something to learn. And if the day that there's nothing left to learn, I don't want to be knitting, I don't think, because there's, there's always, something. always something. Yeah. Yeah. And socks and fair isle. And I actually have been buying both sock patterns and fair isle mm. patterns. I'm going to hold you to this fair isle thing at the end. Well, you know, I do. Yeah. I have to see this through. It is. And actually, I, you know, I don't really have much of an excuse because I do have uh, knits on X book mm-hmm. and I have been doing Which charts. is one of my favourite ones of the year, actually, one of my favourite bits about the year. Me too. And it, the way that it's written is just beautiful and it's so inspiring. She's just, she just hit the nail on yeah. the head with that. I think it's going to, you know, make designers of everyone and give everyone a new sort of... Um, renewed love for for creating and, and also demystify I, a lot of things because many people say oh but i couldn't possibly do this and there's so many rules it has to have so many colors per per row and so many stitches and all of that and there's and if you could de- demystify some of that maybe more people would give it a go i think so definitely mm. i think so so i think i'm um, good that's the two things that i'd like to, you know knit challenges mm-hmm. is, is to to go for the fair isle and for socks but mainly i just want to sort of keep going down this yeah. merry knit british road and really enjoying having more time yes. for knit british and and also just keep yourself open because one thing i've yes. learned is that some at some point somebody's going to go oh would you fancy and you go, oh, I'd never thought about that. But yeah, that could be quite cool. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, I think that's the thing. And I don't know if what my word would be for 2015, but it, there would definitely be a focus on. Mm-hmm. Maybe focus. On. Maybe focus is a good word, yeah. yeah. Because, there, as I say, there's things that are going to be happening sort of springtime next year that um, Knit British is going to be doing something slightly different as I can't really talk about it at the moment. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and just just keep on keeping on and, and seeing what's out there and meeting more people. One of my favourite bits about yeah. what we do is that we get to meet so many fantastic people. <sighs> yeah. yeah, and I think this year, more than any other year, I think I've met... So many people that I've been, like yourself, that I've known on Twitter for mm-hmm. ages, that I've been friends with on Ravelry and and meeting them in real life, which if you say that to anybody who doesn't go on the internet or is scared of the internet and you say that you've just met your Twitter friend and, <laughs> and then they kind of look at you strangely as if to say, are you sure that that's okay? But <laughs> like, no, we're knitters. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All the safety with knitters. Uh, we have needles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, just carrying on. You know, Shetland can be a bit of a barrier getting off, getting off the island and going to places. But I think that's what I've had a lot of lovely feedback that mm-hmm. I sort of 
go to places and try and make my, you know make the effort to that, go that to has also been like... been sort of my thing in the latter stages of 2014 i've traveled a lot and yeah. i've met so many really really amazing people i mean obviously i've met people i know on twitter like yourself i've met so many amazing people but it's also just coming out for me it's teaching classes and meeting people there and just seeing knitters and how much amazing work is being yeah. done and I mean somebody I've, I keep meeting people going oh no you know I'm I'm nothing special and I sit there and I look at the handed cardigan and and, and hats and I just think wow yeah it's so modest knitters are so <laughs> modest They'll always say, "Oh no, I'm just I'm just a knitter." Yeah. You know, you get that. Oh no, I'm just a, I'm just a home knitter or a plain knitter. And then or, you and just they, look at the fantastic. most amazing things they do, and it's yeah. typically the people who think, "Oh no, no, no," and and they're the ones who are just completely mind-blowingly amazing. But that's the thing that I always love about knitting, and it just gets better and better and better. Is that community aspect? Is yeah. the people that you meet and the settings that you meet them in? Doesn't matter whether you're you know online whether you're you know behind the microphone whether you're at your local knit night or you you meet them at Yarndale or Woolfest it's mm-hmm. fantastic it just keeps on getting better keeps yes. on getting better. yes that that community and and it's it's fantastic it's I mean for most. me I think 2014 was also the year of Unwind Brighton Mm. Mm, where it was just coming down there and it was really the community the online community it was rivalry and it's it was right there in, in one by one square kilometer in Brighton yeah. and everywhere you went you went oh 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 <laughs> um and it was just so relaxed as well and and meeting these people you've known online for all this time and then just sitting there having ice cream with them yes. and so discussing things and them just getting it it's like when, yes. when when Louise and I went for, for um, a coffee and cake and we just clicked because, you yeah. know, Louise gets what I'm talking about when I'm doing sort of my own little thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. And I think that that's the, th- the thing. Again, I mean, I, I'm not a Facebook person and I do think that personal opinion Facebook is quite a poisonous place. But um, Twitter, I don't know, there's... There's something about how you communicate with Twitter, whether it's the brevity of it or, or you know, that it's quick and it's fast. And you can actually have, although some conversations you need to be face to face for, but you can actually have really good mm-hmm. conversations on there. And the people that I have met through Twitter, yourself, Louise Hunt, Claire, Jess, mm-hmm. you know, um, Shiny Bees, it's all, you know, fantastic people online as you are in real life and I don't know, there's just, it's something really special I always about... say I couldn't really do my job without Twitter because um, quite apart from the whole sort of, you know, chatting to lovely people like yourself, um, I can also say, oh, I'm struggling to, to write this yeah. down in a succinct matter and, or manner and then somebody, I don't know, from Mexico can come in and say, have you tried? Or And yes. somebody who's sort of staying up late at night in Australia can go, oh, but what about? And me going, oh, that makes it a lot easier. I remember one time I was doing a photo shoot and within 10 minutes I got a model, I got a photographer. Um, <laughs> and I worked out a photo shoot place as well here in Glasgow where I live. And it was just, I couldn't have done that without Twitter. Well, what do you think you've learned from 2014 and taken in with you um, into the new year? I think I've learned what I'm going to focus on, i.e. listen to my own voice and believe in, in what I'm doing and that I shouldn't. I mean, I struggled a lot with perfectionism in 2014 where I didn't think any of my work was any good. 
and I had to be better and do better. And now I look back at the work, at some of the work I did four months ago that I absolutely hated at the time. And I look at it and I think that's really nice. <laughs> um, so so trust my own instincts a lot more and not be hard on myself and not to take on too much work. Because um, I think that is really a fallacy when you become a freelancer is that you think you must do all the things because nobody's ever going to ask you for work ever again. <laughs> so if, if if you sort of turn down work, you go, oh, my God, I'll never get money through, the, you know, in the bank account ever again. Nobody's ever going to work to work with me again. So having learned that, I I'm, I'm going to trust my own instincts and be a bit kinder to myself. Allow myself some time off, because if I don't, I end up like I am right now with, you know, coughing my lungs out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What about you? So before, I, well... I keep turning this on you, don't I? No, it's all right. And it's, I think that's quite a natural and quite a natural thing. Yeah. I think I think what I've learned mostly uh, is very similar, mm-hmm. actually, is to listen to my own voice. And, you know, the things that I think in my little head sometimes, and I think, no, I can't do that, are, are basically the things that I have actually now done this year. And I think, no, I can, I can do that. And I should give myself a little bit more credit. Yes. Um, but I've just had a ball. And really, since my job change uh, in what was it, September, uh, early October. Oh, I've just had a fantastic oh, that's time. that's so good. I've had such a fantastic time. I've had a fantastic time doing Movember. I, Thank you, you so know, much for inviting me to do that. Bud. Oh, it was fantastic to have that perspective. I I mean, I haven't done anything like Movember before, and it was, and it was, fant- it was hilarious because I was coming home from my day job every day at one o'clock and then sitting down to the computer and just writing and, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to people about what they wanted to have on there. And it was a really fantastic experience. But that is, um, is, is kind of what you have to do in this business. Yeah. When, when you got a pocket of time, you just have to get on with it. Definitely, and and it was really good to get the to get all different perspectives. Know, it's so inspirational, really. And, and I thought it was brilliant that you could write something about the design rule and the design perspective and how you wrote so lovingly about your journey with real sheepy yes. yarns, which we love. Yes. We love <laughs> but yeah, so it's just been a fantastic time, and I'm really looking forward to what's coming up. So what are you looking forward to in 2015? Definitely looking forward to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Oh, God, yes. yes. Oh, my God. I'm just cock-a-hoop about that. I've mm-hmm. been excited about it ever since it was announced that, uh, that there was going to be a second one. Yes. And uh, the fact that it's just so much bigger and having spoken to Joe and Mika and knowing what their ideas for it and their concept behind it. I just can't wait. What I really like about the Edinburgh Yarn Festival is how it's rooted in a community, how it's rooted in the knitting community. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It is really all about the people. The fact that it grew out of their knitting group, you know, the idea for the Edinburgh Yarn Festival took its roots in, in that knitting group, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just grown from there from the out of the Blue Drill Hall, which we both know is big, but not big enough for the, that kind of event. It was, to, it like, was absolutely marvellous. I, I was teaching in the morning, and when I showed up, there was a queue going outside the door, and it was raining, people were queuing up, and I thought, okay, this is interesting. So I went in and did my, my, my teaching session, and I came out at one o'clock, and I just went, holy beep where did all those people come from what that had was that community feeling again because I think 
I keep going on about this, but I think there are geographical clusters within the knitting community as such, um, yeah. where people live. And Scotland is such a, well, the central belt of Scotland is such a cluster. You get so many amazing designers and yarn dyes who live in that area. And I think the first Edinburgh Yarn Festival really reflected that. And it was so rooted in Scottish textiles, Scottish sort of knitting heritage. It had all the big local designers, all the big local dyers. And when I say local designers, local dyers, I mean Isolde Teak. Yes. I mean all maiden aunt. I mean serious big people there. And Tinkan Knits. Um, so, yeah, it's a special place. And I can't wait to see what they do in March. Yeah, it's, it, and it'll be here before before we know it. And <laughs> the, the, you know, doing the podcast lounge is going to be mm. such fun. It also shows happen. how big podcasts have become. Yeah, well, that's you know the idea that that you know Joe and Mika have seen how you know podcasts, knitting podcasts, niche podcasts have become so so popular, and. If there hasn't been a, 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 an organised podcast meetup mm-hmm. like there was at Unwind, there always has been sort of little cluster groups of yes. you know things arranged on Twitter and things arranged on on Ravelry, and um, they just want they just wanted to sort of embrace that really. And I um, also just love the. I mean, obviously, I'm part of the teaching lineup, but me aside, I mean, the lineup of teachers is 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 astounding. It's cracking. It really is cracking. <laughs> It is really like who's who. Rachel Coopy and Vera Valmaki and uh, Helen Magson. Yes. My goodness, yeah. and your your good self. Oh yeah, well yeah. It's uh, no, it's 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 really an Isolde, of course, mm-hmm. and you could just go on and on. I lost my breath when I was reading out the list of people. It was unbelievable, and very, 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 very soon, I believe, probably after this podcast goes mm-hmm. out, but the, the exhibitor list is going to be in I've heard a couple of whispers, and I'm excited. It is going to be a highlight of the year, I think, and it's, 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 again, if, if people haven't been to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival before, it is not just because there's a lot of stores and you can buy stuff there, it's also the vibe, the community feel of it, and the whole sort of, you know, you're part of something quite special. Yeah. When you go I mean, there, you, yeah. If you are within a couple of hours, three hours train journey from mm-hmm. Edinburgh, you should really. I've got people coming over from Scandinavia for it. Wow. Yeah, I've heard people from the states are flying over as well for it. So it's it's. Uh, yes, there are definitely people from the states coming. Yes, around. and I know people from Holland, uh, Germany are coming across. So yeah, it's a it's, thing. Yeah, it's that vibe. And it's, and it's, it's, it's exciting to be a tiny bit part of it. I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing networking event as well. But I just can't wait to meet everybody and I see everyone. And it really does have that um, sort of kid in a toy shop kind of feel <laughs> about it as well. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up imminently. We were talking about the Sock Club. Now, is that starting in January? With every March the- and sign-ups are closed. What was the, the, with that collaboration, did you know what the colours were going to be first or did you just design uh, well, Lewis said to me, I really want to do a club with you. And I said, I want to do a club with you again. We did one in, was it 2012? That one was inspired by Sherlock Holmes and Victoriana. And we had a lot of fun doing that. And so she said, well, I don't really, because she's had injury issues, because she keeps, you know, wielding those heavy, heavy um, pots of dye. She's injured her, her elbow. So she oh. said that 
for her, she didn't want to... Usually when she does a club, she does two new yarn colors a month to introduce the new line of colors. But she wanted to do something different, so she wanted me involved. And she came to me, and we decided to do socks. We we know each other very well in real life. So we just started sort of chatting back and forth and brainstorming. We came up with a theme, and I came up with a mood board. And then I started designing. What's that been like, designing socks? It's been really good. I've really enjoyed the challenge. I've never been a sock knitter because I have a bit of a thing about feet. I don't like feet. But, <laughs> which is why I don't teach sock knitting, um, mm-hmm. but I discovered the intellectual challenge of de- designing sock has really, really intrigued me. It's a completely differently shaped canvas to ha- mm-hmm. the other things that I'm used to designing, such as hats and, and shawls, which is sort of my, my big thing. Um, but socks, they're very differently constructed and have some, some technical aspects to them that I've really enjoyed working with. So it's mm-hmm. probably not going to be the last time I've, I've designed a sock or three. It was just such a nice challenge to play with a different canvas mm-hmm. um, and, and challenge myself to come up with something different. And that's January, February and March. And March, yes. A lot of people ask me what's next in terms of, you know, are you going to do another big project like Doggerland? And I know you've asked me as well, you know, what's going to be the next big thing? And there is something in the pipeline. I've begun doing research. As I said, I've been working in knitting archives quite a lot recently. And it's not going to come out for quite some time yet. I am doing other things in the meantime. One of the reasons why I'm not going to launch myself into a giant project again is because, as I said, with Doggerland, there is so much work to be done before you can start a collection, at least in my head. I know some people yeah. can just do a collection. But I, I, I want to have the color palette. I want to select the yarn, get the right yarn for the collection. And I want to get the what I call design vocabulary fixed. I know what sort of stitches I'd be using, what sort of things I wouldn't be doing. So with Doggerland, it was very simplistic, very simple, very basic stitches like garter stitch and stocking stitch, very, very pared down. So for me to be doing all those things, it takes a lot of work. So I'm doing that, but because I don't want to go completely silent, I'm also doing another thing, which is going to be a series of patterns, but it's not going to be a collection the concept of, of this series well it's it's a series of thematically linked projects but they're not going to be so you know it's not going to be the same sort of colors it's not going to be the same sort of yarn it's not going to have the same feel to it but it's going to be thematically linked and i'm calling it authors and artists it's going to be inspired by the books i read and the artists whose works inspire me on a day-to-day basis and it's not going to be you know a book club it's not going to be an art history lesson but I am going to be writing on my blog about where the inspiration is coming from but it is going to be standalone patterns and they're going to be released sort of intermittently so it's also a a way for me to be able to be a bit more not creative because I think I'm plenty creative (laughs) but be a bit less tied to one thing and more experimental and allowing myself to to play around a bit more. But hopefully people will still like it. And it will be all me again. Yeah. That's the thing because while while it's not a big while it's not a big collection yeah. like Doggerland, uh, a big piece of work, this theme is something that is a huge interest and, and inspiration to you. It is 
going to be all me again, but it's going to be with less less pressure on me, which I yeah. really appreciate. Going to incorporate some socks, some accessories, maybe some garments, and it's going to continue throughout while I work on other things as well. So it's it's that's that's so the that's... next thing, yeah. So I've I've sort of devised this as a way of of allowing myself to make things I'm really passionate about but not putting too much pressure on myself. Yeah, in a time frame that is that is suitable, appropriate to you. Yeah. So these are going to be like drop like pennies from heaven yes. every now and again throughout yes. 2015. I love that. Yeah. That's just like getting the best little surprise every now and again. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also going to be a lot easier for people because people would sort of go, oh, when's the next one coming up? When's the next one coming yes. out? And I would sort of go, well, it's been two weeks since the last one. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot less stress and worry on their part as well more relaxed yeah and and as I said it's just an opportunity for me to actually have a bit of a of a fun time as well and not co- paint myself into a corner with with a concept that may not work because I haven't given it enough time and so without putting any pressure on you <laughs> <laughs> when might we expect the first pattern probably end of January yeah. And is there anything that you can tell us about that? Can you give us any hints about your inspiration? Well, it's, it? well, it's um, inspired by one of my favourite authors, and it's an accessory, and it uses some yarn you'll be able to buy at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, funnily enough. Um, so, yes, and in terms of the big concept thing, there is definitely something in the works, and it is a big conceptual thing again, because I, I lightly nuts that way. And it's very different from Doggerland. Because, I mean, the easy thing would be to just do, oh, I'll do Iron Age next. Or I'll do Bronze Age <laughs> next. But no, um, this is very different. Yeah. It's still- yeah, that's really exciting. So January is going to be sock clubs and possibly um, we're going to have a, a, a pattern from this yes. new theme um, series. What else is happening in the very new year? Um, I'm going Any back to teaching and I'm going <gasps> to be writing as well and doing Brilliant. some editing um so and more weirdly enough there's going to be some restructuring this is one of those sort of things that sound really dull when i talk about it but <laughs> will make my life so much easier restructuring how i work um and making it so that i don't work 80 hours a week <laughs> that, that would be really probably, nice yes um, i think that's really Good yeah. Idea. Um, and then just I've got some some wonderful people coming over from Scandinavia, some knitting designers. So I'm gonna spend some time with them. I'm going to introduce them to people at the Yen Festival. So yeah, it's it's exciting, and I've I've sort of let myself have a bit more of a blank canvas really than I had in 2014. Because what I've learned from 2014 is that I can't plan things. Things will happen. Yes. Yes, you put faith in the idea yes. that things can happen. Yes. Because it does take the pressure off and it, it does nothing worse than putting pressure on yourself no. to accomplish things. And I went where... into sort of 2014 with a lot of things I needed to do and then suddenly life happened and I couldn't do those things and I realised, well, I can plan and I can say, oh, I'm doing things in winter 2016, but, you know, you need a bit of time yeah. for things to happen. I have been spending a lot of time thinking about what I want to do with Knit British in mm. 2015 and things I want to achieve with, you know, in terms of having an, a, maybe having a British 
knit along a British mm-hmm. breed to knit along but that would be something that we might do across the whole year so there's things that you, and I was thinking I must think of this because yeah. it's nearly January and I think no actually I know the idea is there I mm-hmm. know that you know, I have the time now to deal with this it doesn't have to be a January to December no it doesn't some of the other things that are going to be cropping up are you know just too exciting and, mm-hmm. and, and think oh time time's running out but no no um and for me it's a learning experience as well for me 2014 was a year of transition and I think 2015 is going to be a bit more of the same just working out partly what I'm doing but also just where the knitting world is going yeah same with me I just think that that there's been a lot of changes in 2014 and and transitioning is all there's, it's all there's always positivity in that yeah. because you're always you're moving you're constantly moving yeah. you're moving towards something you're what's very... your knitting memory of of 2014 well actually i think my best knitting days or knit related days was when myself and joe claire divine and shova all came through to glasgow mm-hmm. for the girls go, girls go wild for wool on tour <laughs> That was just such a fun day. That that's again that's that's meeting people that you maybe haven't met. Yes. You've been speaking to for ages, but you haven't met until that time. And everyone just got on. Everyone just clicked. Although poor you ended up going home with a migraine. Yes, yeah, so there's there's a certain cake shop in Glasgow <laughs> I'm never going to again because um, I've been there three times and I've gone home with a migraine three times. <laughs> but that yeah, that's not that is not good. I think the decor definitely has something do with that but that is definitely one of my favorite memories of 2014 and Yarndale um it was fantastic as well but um my favorite uh, well knitting experience again was the lush podcal because for the first time I think ever um a few podcasters got together me and shiny bees joe mm-hmm. collective louise and amy from knit spin cake and said let's host co-host cal uh, and we just sort of it was one of those like pulled out of our, out of the air in um sort of five minutes and organized <laughs> and it was oh it was really good fun and because uh, i said before about lush being one of those cards yeah. that just suits everyone and if you go into that finished object gallery and you go into the chat threads and you see just how how everyone enjoyed it and how everybody looks fantastic in their garments and it, it was just such a good experience uh, all together and i mean some of us were really i mean i don't think any of the podcasters finished in fact louise is still, <laughs> louise is still knitting her lush um so i, I, I was talking was... to a yarn shop owner who shall remain nameless leona um <laughs> who finished her garment and she just realized she'd knit the wrong size so i think she might be starting over unfortunately oh, maybe, we, maybe we need to have lush podcast uh back up <laughs> Yes, yeah, maybe. But yeah, that was that was really fantastic. What about you? Because you've been to, I mean, not just knitty events, but there must be quite a lot of uh, good knitting moments. Um, well, I, the Nordic Knitworks thing, that must have been fantastic. That was a really but, weird thing, actually, because I'd been to Brighton the weekend before. I'm just going to talk about Brighton in a second. But I yeah. went from being in Brighton, got home, did my laundry and then I was in Edinburgh working with the Danish Culture Institute, Macquarie Brothers, which is a local Scottish chain of yarn shops and the National Museum of Scotland about Nordic knitting. And we were doing this giant knitting in the National Gallery, uh, the National Museum of Scotland, the main gallery. And we had hundreds and hundreds of people show up and we had 
um, Arnon Carlos, the, yes. the the Norwegian male knitters, who are absolutely lovely. We did sort of a little Scandinavian love in there, sort of going, ooh, <laughs> talking Scandinavian stuff to each other. It was good. Um, but it was such a weird thing because I'd just been to Brighton, which was really the Ravelry community come to life in flesh, where, you know, people would say, ooh, I, you know, there's so-and-so and I recognize that scarf and so on and so forth. And then you were, I was, I was in Edinburgh and a lot of the people we got were what I call casual knitters who just knit during the summer, uh, knit during the winter, maybe garden in the summer. And they're like, oh, I've never knitted in public before. Oh, I didn't know other people knitted. And it was such a reminder that the community is huge. There's not just one way of knitting. There's not just one type of knitter, but there's so many knitters out there. And they belong to different fractions. And I think people like you and me and, and, and most of the listeners are all sort of very what I would call capital K lifestyle knitters. Yes, <laughs> and we That's live. A fantastic description. Yeah, we live and breathe knitting and yarn and needles, and you know you can yep. go ooh lush, and we all know what it is. And then you know there's a, but we're actually the minority. Yeah. Still, and I know that it sounds nuts to or crazy to a lot of people, but there's a huge amount of knitters who have no idea. We're yeah. not on Ravelry. You still go into no, don't stuff. know what Ravelry is. Yep. And and often if you tell them about it, they don't actually care because it's not a big thing for them. They're sort of casual That's knitters. It. And then sometimes they're the most amazing knitters. Really, technically, they're just absolutely fantastic. Um, but there's such a huge amount of knitters out there. And for me, it was just really encapsulating those two two weeks where at first I was in the thr- you know in the throes of you know really capital K missing and then suddenly I was I was in the other camp with people who who sort of occasionally watch Kirsty also up on TV <laughs> so yeah it was it was a really good reminder that you know the knitting world is big there are a lot of people out there and and there's a lot of people out there who who do things that we'd never heard of that's and 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 it must have been a really interesting uh, vibe there as well as you said much different from unwind yes. but but unwind then is that your highlight of 2014 that is probably my highlight of 2014 i didn't know what to expect um because i went down there and i went okay i'm here then Rene, who's east london knit on twitter who's just been in the Oh, yes. And Twist Collective. Hello, Renee, you're a superstar. She came and sort of said, oh, I'm just going to show you around with a couple of other people. And a couple of other people turned out to be Amy Singer of Nitty and Susie Mike, huh? who's, who's invented sort of the contiguous, t- contiguous sleeve method. So that was oh, yes. us three walking around Brighton with Renee. And I was thinking, this is, this is slightly weird. Um, and then we went to dinner and I looked around thinking if there's a meteor fall, if a meteor falls in this restaurant, Ravelry's going to be dead because, you know, everybody who's ever been in Hug right now, they're here. Oh, my God. Um, so we're sort of all slightly stunned because the thing is really all on this is we're kind of introvert. We're kind of shy. We're a bit, mm-hmm. we're a bit dorky. We're a bit geeky. Um, and we're sort of going, oh, my God, other people, am I going to have to talk to them? And then we were all sort of sitting there looking at each other. It was it was really funny, actually. And, yeah, just meeting amazing people, people I've, I've really admired their work for such a long time. And then sitting there and you sort of go, oh, well, we're just going to be talking about music videos now or, you know, 
really, really stupid things because, you know, they're just human beings. Exactly. <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah, what else? The marketplace was quite small compared to somewhere like Woolfest, but it was so well curated. Everything made sense. It was not like, oh, my God, what's that? Uh, which <laughs> sometimes get at, at, at sort of craft fairs or, or, or yarn yeah. shows, and it was just such high quality. And just meeting people that you've you've known online for years and and getting to know a lot of other people that you sort of heard of but never actually interacted with before. It was really like sort of the Glastonbury of knitting, I think. <laughs> Everywhere you went there was a knitter doing things and or somebody you'd heard of. So yeah, it was it was really quite something. Just, you know, sitting on the beach, eating ice cream and knitting. It was good. It was very good. Um, it was very rock and roll. I know we've talked a little bit about resolutions or lack thereof, mm-hmm. but what about going into 2015? Last year you had that little uh, challenge of garments and socks. Yes. Anything you want to challenge yourself with in 2015? Anything that you want to do that you just think, I haven't done that yet? I've kind of done most things. I mean, I haven't done toys and I haven't done home stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm not really a big toy knitter. Don't do toys. I'm not Don't a toy knitter, <laughs> a toy designer. Let's just be honest. Um, <laughs> so I don't think there's a challenge there. No, maybe yeah. I think it's going to be with time management more than anything, yeah. which is really but, dull. But back to that mm, um, sort of mm, own, that mm. own word as but well. I would really like to actually knit myself a yellow cardigan I think you need to do that we all need one in our lives at least one yes Carrie thank you so much for coming on, on Knit British oh, and my pleasure and next time we'll we'll do it in person and let's um, we'll do it probably... at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival yes let's let's because there's going to be lots of excitement happening oh, God, then. Yes. so I'm going to get you on the sofa at, in the podcast lounge yes. and, um, I'm already again. plotting what to knit to wear Yes, me too. I think possibly another thing that will be happening in in 2015 is there might be a scholarly knit along. <gasps> that will be, be in April once the pattern reverts back to you. And Ooh, we'll that would be exciting. Do something then. But I'm hoping that I might knit a scholarly in time. <gasps> my word. The end of the oh, my I have God, I'm going to be overcome. I'm going to be fangirling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But thank you so much. And it's lovely to hear... Um, about the authors and artists and look forward to that coming very soon in, in, yes. in January. I am actually but, genuinely excited about it because it's nice to start yes. something very new. And I'm knitting it right now while I'm actually talking to you. <laughs> That's really, you're such a tease. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, have a fantastic festive season and I can't wait you to catch too. up with you again soon in the new year. Yeah. And- Take care and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. You can find out more at www.knitbritish.net. You can email me, louise at knitbritish.net. And I'm also on Twitter at knit underscore British. 